Amen and amen. Well, we've already been to church. Karen, you've got a voice. Yeah, doesn't she? And honestly, I could say the benediction right now and we could go, but I have a few words I want to say to you today, okay? It is great to be back home here at First Lakeland. Thrilled to be back here with you. I have a little less hair than when I was an associate back in the day. But what a joy. What a joy. First, I want to say thank you to this church. This is a special church. And I know I don't need to tell you all that. You all know it. But this church is special to its core. It always has been. And what a legacy and what an influence. And Brandy and Paul and I, the number of welcome and warm wishes and love, the cards, the gifts. I mean, I'll be writing thank you notes for the next eight months. We are overwhelmed by the welcome of this church. It truly has touched our hearts. Our our cup runneth over. So I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank Reverend David McIntyre. What a man, what a leader, a mentor of mine who has left such a healthy staff and church here. He has, like I said, mentored me along the way, and he has been so supportive. And I'm thrilled he's going to stick around because I I love David and I appreciate his leadership. And Riley, everything I know, I've learned from Riley, Reverend Riley. (laughs) And I'm glad, even the good and the bad. And I'm just thrilled that uh, for Riley and the interim work that he's done here, uh, what a joy to be part of this congregation. I'm just excited. And I'm ready to get going. I'm ready to preach today too. Amen? Let us be in an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of this day. The gift of worship. We sent your presence and your spirit here. It is alive and well. We sense it and feel it through the music, through the prayers, through the fellowship, through the smiles. Your spirit is here, Lord, and for that we give thanks. And now, Lord, you have given me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these my friends and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way today that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, go Mox. Go Mox. That's right. I'm a proud graduate of Florida Southern College. In fact, right now I see a former professor of mine. I didn't do very well in his class, but thanks for coming anyway. (laughs) Love Florida Southern College. In fact, that's another reason why I like being back in Lakeland is the relationship I'll be able to have with the college. But I remember a time when I was an associate here when I was called back to the campus of Florida Southern College to be a guest speaker in Dr. Plowman's sociology class. Y'all know Dr. Plowman? Yes, and he invited me as a local pastor to come and speak to the class about what it means to be a religious leader in the community. And so I was really wet behind the ears I'm not sure how good I did, but I finally got through it. And then there was a time for Q&A. And we opened up for questions, and I'll never forget, there was an eager student in the back of the class just raising her hand high. And when I called on her, I said, yes. She said, why are you a Christian? I said, excuse me? Why are you a Christian? 
She said, I'm taking this wonderful class in world religions. And there are so many beautiful religions in the world. There's so much truth to them. Why are you a Christian? Why did you choose to be a Christian minister? Why are you a Christian? Why are we Christians? Why are we here? Why do we worship Jesus Christ? It's a good question. After you leave today, if you went off to have breakfast somewhere and you met a waiter or a waitress or met a friend who doesn't go to church and they looked at you and you said to them, you've been to church. What if they asked you, why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? What would you say? What would be your response? Would the answer be convincing? I must confess to you, church, there was a time in my life when that question haunted me. And I really didn't have a good answer for it. Yeah, I always grew up in the church. There was never a time I wasn't a Christian. I was baptized and saying Jesus loves me. But when I became a youth and began to think critically, I began to think critically about my faith. And I asked myself this question. If I had been born into a different kind of family, would I still believe in Jesus Christ? Would I still go to church? Would I still be a Christian? If I had born into a Hindu family, would I be a Hindu? If I had been born into a Buddhist family, would I be a Buddhist? I mean, there are thousands of recognized religions in this world. What makes Christianity so special? What makes Jesus so different? And maybe you've asked that question before. Maybe you're asking it now today, even though you don't want to admit it. Maybe you often wonder. If I had been born into a different family, into a different situation, would I still be a Christian? Would I still follow Jesus Christ? Maybe you had a professor challenge you once or a skeptical friend ask you a question and you've often asked that question and you're curious, why Jesus instead of another religion? Or maybe you're someone here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ and you're always welcome here. But maybe for you, the one obstacle has been, why Jesus instead of another religion? Well, this morning I'm going to tell you why. That's what I have planned, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you why. This morning, after this message is over, you're going to know what I believe is the most compelling, the most convincing reason why I follow Jesus Christ and why we follow Jesus Christ. And for some of you, this just may be the tipping point for you. If you're someone who honestly is just on the cusp of making a decision for Jesus, this message today just may be the point where you give your life to Jesus Christ because I believe with all my heart this could be a life-changing message for you. Because when I went on my quest, when I was questioning Jesus and questioning my faith through much prayer and research and counsel, I came to this amazing conclusion I'm going to share with you today. And that conclusion not only allowed me and enabled me to recommit my life to Jesus Christ, but was instrumental in my call to preach. So why is Jesus so compelling? Why is Jesus so unique? I'm going to let the Gospel of John tell us why today. I love the Gospel of John. One of the reasons why is that John doesn't beat around the bush. You know, we usually go to other Gospels for the Christmas story when it comes to, you know, Mary and the angels and the wise men. But when it comes to John, he doesn't mess with any of that. 
He gets right down to business and begins the gospel by telling you why Jesus is so important and why Jesus is so compelling and why Jesus is so life-changing. And he begins the gospel this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So what is John talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Substitute word with Jesus. Now, why in the heck didn't John just say Jesus? Because he's trying to tell us something very unique about Jesus. Because the word word there in the Greek can mean the essence of God. The personality of God. The light of God. So John is telling us that Jesus is God's personality. And that personality created this world. But watch what happens next. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So John is saying God's word, God's personality lit up this world. You ever know somebody, you often say about them that they just light up a room? Well, God's personality lights up this world and there is nothing, not even darkness, that can ever overcome it. But John does say this, he was in the world and through the world was made through him. Though the world did not recognize him, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Here's the sad thing. Even though God's personality lights up this world and is ready for us, there are some people who will never receive it. There are some people who will never understand it. There will be some people who will never accept it. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you why. But watch what John says next for those of us who are open to God's word, to God's personality. Look what it says. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those of us who are open to God's personality, our lives can be changed. And how is that? Because John says this, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Listen, you know it. Many of you know it. The Word became what? Flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And there it is. God's personality took human form, intersected human history 2,000 years ago. Jesus has always been. But that very personality intersected history 2,000 years ago. So why does John say some people don't accept it? Because he came in a way that people did not expect. No great earthquake announced his coming. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. Jesus didn't come from royalty. Why? Because if Jesus had come from royalty, we would have been intimidated. If he had come down in a great white horse, he would have been unrelatable. But a baby, a baby born in a humble manner, there is nothing more disarming. There is nothing more penetrating than a little baby. I know that. Because for 18 years, Brandy and I were told we could never have kids. For 18 years, we were told we could never have kids. It was an impossibility. 
And then one day I come home from church when I was serving in Pasadena and I walked through the door and Brandy's face looked very interesting to me. And she said, Charlie, guess what? I'm pregnant. (laughs) That's a good one, sweetheart. No, I'm serious. I went to the store and bought 10 pregnancy tests and they're all positive. I said, holy Moses. Actually, I said something different, but I can't say that today in the pulpit. (laughs) Are you serious? Yes, sweetheart, I'm serious. And the day that kid was born, oh my gosh. I have a picture of us somewhere. Isn't that cute? I think he is. only have 30 of these to go through today. (laughs) Just kidding. These are the only two. The first one... I'm raising this kid right. That's me with my deaf leopard shirt on and his with his deaf leopard onesie. Amen. You'll come to know that I'm a big fan of 80s hard rock, but that's another sermon entirely. But when he was born, I tell you, I would have given you all the money in my bank account if you had asked for it. I would have even given you all my golf clubs. I was so excited. I was so Elated, a baby does that. A baby changes you. I remember one time, Brandon and I took Paul out for the first time when we went out to dinner. You know, there's a certain time period where you got to wait before you take your baby out. Well, we followed that strictly, and finally the day came when we could go out to dinner. And we went, like a lot of people do, we went at 4.30. Wasn't very hungry, but we went. And we went to this place... And we sat in a booth right next to a bar. Now, understand, I wasn't taking my son to happy hour. They just happened to put us in a booth next to the bar. And so we enjoyed our meal a little bit, and it was a good time. And then I took Paul so Brandy could eat her food in peace. And I walked to a window, which was right next to the bar. And you could look out the window and see all these ships and see all the water. You know what happened? I never got to the bar. Because all these people sitting at the bar for happy hour who were complaining about their lives, complaining about their jobs, looked disheveled and down, all of a sudden, instant bloom. Look at that baby! Look at his rock star hair! Can I hold him? No, you've had a few. You can't hold him. (laughs) But they totally changed. A little baby has a way of doing that. Amen. A little baby, a little child does it. And think of it. Baby Jesus did that for the entire world. It was the only way God knew how to show us how much he loves us and how much he wants a relationship with us and how much he wants to be with us. You see, Jesus had the most humble beginning, the most humiliating ending, yet the greatest impact this world has ever seen. That's Jesus. So why is Jesus so compelling? Why am I so excited about Jesus Christ? Why do we come to worship today? Why does this amazing building show a huge cross out to Lake Morton? Why is Jesus so special? Here it is. And I want you to remember this. Religion is reaching for God. But Jesus is God reaching for us. Religion is reaching for God. 
But Jesus Christ is God reaching for us. Christianity means we don't have to search for God. Instead, that gift finds us. The Christian faith is the only faith that dares to make that claim. In every other religion, people are desperately trying to search for the divine, to search for wholeness, to search for the source. But in the Christian faith, a faith unlike any other, God comes to us in Jesus Christ and embraces us and tells us how much He loves us and wants a relationship with us and wants to be with us. And honestly, at least for me, there is no other way for me to understand it. Now, author Max Lucado, maybe you know him, he, not personally, but he, he doesn't have an unpublished thought. He's written a lot of books. And he talks about the time when he and his family went on vacation to the United Kingdom. And they visited this castle, and in, in front of this castle was this, this labyrinth, this maze of these, you know, shoulder high hedges. Just think of the last scene of The Shining. Well, maybe that's not a good reference for a sermon, but anyway. This labyrinth, and you had to navigate the labyrinth, and if you could do it correctly, you were rewarded by going, Mexico said, to this tower, this entrance to a tower where you could climb up stairs and have this beautiful view. Well, Oquedo says, if you look at pictures of that vacation, you'll find that he is missing from the picture in that tower. Why? Because he was lost He was looking around, trying to find his way. And then he said, he heard the voice of his daughter from above. Dad! Dad! And he looked up, and his daughter was looking down at him. And she said, Dad, go back and then turn right. Now, do you think he listened to her? You know how men are with directions. He could have asked another tourist who was lost. He could have just tried to find his own way, but no, he did listen to her. Why? Because she could see what he couldn't. And it's the same way with God and faith and religion, at least for me. There's no way that me on my own could understand God and understand faith and understand religion on my own. I need, we need God to put flesh on and say, this is who I am. And this is how much I love you. And this is my purpose. And I'm here to bring you home. It's kind of like that Carnival Cruise. Maybe you heard about it. Carnival Cruise, this guy fell overboard. Everybody said, man, overboard. And they all rushed to one side of the ship, or a lot of the passengers did, to see if they could help him, to see what was going on. And the first one to call out to the man was the revivalist. The revivalist Christian. And he said to the man... I see that hand reached out. Are there others? The next was the Quaker. And the Quaker called out, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to form a circle and pray for you right now. The next was the Baptist. And the Baptist cried out, Son, that's the only way to be baptized. Way to go. The next was the Presbyterian. The Presbyterian said, I guess it's the will of God that you're there. The next was the Methodist. Oh boy, here we go. And the Methodist said, I tell you what we're going to do about your problem. We're going to form a committee to look at your problem. 
And we'll get back to you. But then a man, a disheveled man, a smelly man that couldn't believe he got on the ship, jumped out, swam to the man who was drowning, and brought him home. And when he was asked who he was, he said, Jesus. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can bring us home. And if that doesn't convince you, let me ask you this question. Can you imagine what this world would be like if Jesus had never been born? Can you imagine that? I mean, many atheists claim that the world would be a better place without religion. Well, they have not thought through it. Can you imagine this world without Jesus Christ? No more Christmas. No more Christmas cards. No more Valentine's Day. No more St. Patrick's Day. That's just on the surface. If Jesus had never been born and His influence on this world is mind-boggling, the rights of the elderly and of children would not be as important. The importance of health care would not be as important. We would not have the Sermon on the Mount. Imagine this world without the writings of Paul. Imagine this world without the writings of St. Aquinas and Augustine. Imagine this world without the art we have received that have been influenced by Jesus Christ. Imagine this world without Handel's Messiah. Imagine this world without the Hallelujah Chorus. Imagine this world without Oxford and Yale and Princeton. All those schools were founded by Christians to train Christians. Imagine this world without the Red Cross. Imagine this world without those who abolished slavery. Imagine this world without Bonhoeffer and those who opposed Hitler. Imagine this world without the 12 steps and AA. Imagine this world without Martin Luther King Jr.'s call for civil rights, a movement that began in the church. Imagine this world without Mother Teresa and her legacy. But most of all, imagine living in this world without knowing that God loves you beyond your wildest dreams and His love is accessible and real and compassionate. If Jesus did that for the whole world, I want you to hear me. Imagine what he could do in your life. And maybe for those of you who have been Christians for a long time, imagine what your life would be missing without Jesus. But for some of you, imagine what your life is missing. Because I believe with all my heart that the purpose of the church, and some of you may ask me, Charlie, what is your purpose and what is your vision and what is your mission? It's very simple. To share the love of Jesus Christ so people can experience it and enable them to share that love with other people. Because I believe the only thing that can change a person is the love of Jesus Christ. And the only thing that can change this world is the love of Jesus Christ. And here's the fun thing. I mean, it's the most fun job in the world. But here's the thing, when, when you experience, when you embrace God's embrace of you, not only does it change you, but here's where it becomes fun. Jesus is so relentless that he works through you to reach others. I come in for a landing with this. 
When I was in seminary at Emory, one of the things I was a part of was what we called supervised ministry. We actually called it supervised misery, but that's another conversation. And it was basically, okay, you want to be a minister? Well, spend a year visiting the sick and dying in the hospital, and then we'll see if you still want to be a minister of the gospel. It was good training. It weeded a lot of people out. Well, I was on the rounds one day, doing my rounds. It was one of my first days. I was so naive. I had no clue what I was doing. But I had a suit on, and I had a badge that said, Clergy Chaplain. Well, one day I was... Walking around and a nurse called out, hey, chaplain. And I'm looking around for the chaplain. <laughs> oh, that's me, right? Yes, can I help you? She said, you see that man over there in that hospital room? I said, yeah. His name is Walter and he's not doing well and no one has come to see him. Nobody. I said, no one? She said, no one. Do you mind going to visit him for a minute? I said, sure. Yeah. So I naively went over there. And before I got to the door, the nurse said, oh, and chaplain, I forgot to tell you, Walter is a very angry man. Noted. So I walked into the room and I said, hi, Walter, I'm Charlie Reed, one of the chaplains here. He said, you are, are you? I don't need a chaplain and I certainly don't need God. Can't you see I'm dying here? Get the heck out of here. And he didn't say heck. I said, well, you don't need a chaplain. Do you need a friend? Because I can be a friend. He said, I don't need anything. Just leave me alone. So I began to walk back towards the door. And right before I put my hand on the door, I kid you not, Walter said, you know, I haven't always been this way. There was a time I was healthy and strong but now look at me. And I slowly walked back over to Walter. And I sat down and just listened. Sometimes that's all it takes. Just listen. And when he finished talking, I said to him, Walter, do you mind if I just say a quick prayer for you? So I don't think it'll do any good, but you go right ahead. And I prayed for him. And one of the things I said in my prayer was, Lord, cover Walter in your warmth and love like a warm blanket. And when I opened my eyes, I couldn't believe what I saw. There were tears coming down his face. And his arms were up in the air. And at first I couldn't figure out what he was doing. But then I figured out he wanted me to hug him. So I reached down and I remember his body was so frail. And when I embraced him, he began to rock me back and forth, and he kept repeating to me, Yes, Lord, cover me like a blanket. I had no control over what happened that day. But Jesus Christ, the light of the world, reached out to Walter through me, and I became that blanket. Religion is reaching for God. But Jesus is God reaching for us. And that's why I believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, 
You are relentless. The depths and heights and pains you went through to show us how much you love us. Wow. And then that you would actually use us to show that love to others. Lord, we believe in you. Lord, may we always be a church that lifts high your power and your love that can truly change this world and does. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming to worship with us today. We, we hope it's been a time of meaning and inspiration for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.